Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. I'm John Wascavage. And I'm Matt Koplick. Welcome. And this is Broadway Breakdown. Ba-da-ba-da, tap, dance, ba-da-ba-ba, turn, turn, ba-da-ba-ba, fall out of the turn, tear your ACL, and your career is ruined. Oh, that got dark real fast. <laughs> it did. It got dark real fast. It got that's super like real. That okay. That's <laughs> That's like the mood that I'm in today. Yeah, it's like start so, off kickball so, changing and eventually career suicide. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Good luck, everyone. You're in. Buckle up, buttercups. You're in for a bumpy ride. Mm-hmm. There's no lube today, ladies and gents. No sirs or mans. No. But probably sirs because, let's be honest, gay guys. Gay guys. I think that's going to be the name of today's podcast. No lube today. Oh. Oh my gosh! Listen, we gotta, Dear God. we gotta have like eye-catching headlines for these for these podcasts. Otherwise, how else is the world gonna notice us? It's true. It is true. Most most podcasts definitely get a following by either being like, honestly, we should see if we should get some from some funding, some sponsorship from like KY or Astroglide or like, well, what would like a potential like Shark Tank. Broadway themed lubricant be called like a Shark Tank themed Broadway lubricant? No, no, no. I meant like if we were on Shark Tank and we were oh, like, oh, hey, and we were like trying to do like a Broadway themed lubricant. Okay, what would it be called? Yeah, maybe something like um, Into the Woods or like no, Everybody Rise. No, it's <laughs> Everybody Rise themed. Um, there's something there. Um. um God. A little night lubing. Oh. Or like how glory goes. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Hand spray. <gasps> ew. ew. Oh, God. I'm trying to like make it work here, okay? I don't appreciate your, your nose. I need some yes ands here. Um, but you know what? You know what? Uh. We persevere, and there's always a little bit of hope in the darkest of tunnels. It's true. We persevere, but Comet isn't 
Bandstand isn't. Groundhog Day isn't. Nope. And any day now, Warpaint won't either. No, but let's be honest. No, I mean, honestly, it was, since we've had our last podcast, it was kind of like, so many shows were brought to slaughter. It was, it's kind of insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is, Um, I was, September and January are sort of the times of the Broadway season when a lot of stuff kind of announces, uh, because you, right. Yeah. Like business goes down and if you're not, and and, you know, Broadway shows are expensive to run. So if you can't really make the ticket sales work better to cut your losses there than to prolong it for however long. Someone randomly asked me the other day being like, do you think Comet will tour? And honestly, I never even thought of that. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if they can. I don't know if they will. Like, do you, I don't, I wonder about that. Like, I honestly hadn't even thought about it because in my mind, it's, I mean, it's so specific to where it is, is that like, I was like, oh, Mm. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it could, I mean, Technically speaking, anything could, but I would love to see the regional life that it has once it uh, ends its Broadway run, because I think that it'd be really oh, interesting to see... I was see, thinking that, too. Because yeah, we're so used to Rachel, Chafkin, Rachel Chafkin's vision. You know, she did all the mm-hmm. incarnations of Great Comet, and I'd love to see some other theaters with, you know, wildly different budgets and casting pools really kind of attack the show and see what they come up with. I think it's a show that really lends itself to interpretation. Yeah, I would really, I would really love to see some cool, like even more site-specific theater productions of it around the country. Oh yeah, I think that'd be really, really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also had another little. Um, I was reading something the other day, and I kind of wanted to bring this up to you as kind of my like first talking point. Mm. Um, so did you see how they are releasing Indecent? Um, they, I guess they filmed a production of it and, uh, PBS, I believe it was PBS Great Performances will be airing it. Yes, did I did see, see that? that. Cool. I was also making sure that you saw it so that it wasn't a fever <laughs> dream that I had where I like was just imagining. Am I bringing up no unreal news article? No, totally real. I, yeah. I saw it. <laughs> no, which is so exciting because I think so many people need to see that. I think I think that show was just so moving and amazing and just one of my favorites of last season. Um, but one, one thing that is so interesting is there's just been such an influx of, of that kind of material recently. And, um, you know, there's been an influx of the live musicals on, on NBC and Fox and all those ones. Um, but it's really interesting because all the Fox ones are like, are all every musical that has been done on all those, there are movie versions of those musicals that exist already. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting that on one spectrum we have like an oversaturation of shows, of musicals and shows that have multiple versions out there to buy and to, and to witness. And then they're also like, I feel like the PBS great performances on the complete opposite side of the spectrum where it's like obscure like we have falsettos we have indecent and um and then i was also reading an article that was saying that they are thinking of adapting sunset boulevard as a musical for like the like doing a movie of the musical starring glenn close and i just i i wanted to kind of pick your brain about that what do you think what do you think about all these kind of like theater as an art form that is then presented on television or in a movie theater, like, 
As someone, I've actually never really gone to see one of those performances, but I know we talked a few weeks ago about Angels in America, and you did. Do you feel disconnected from them? How 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 do you feel when you watch a theater piece? Um, not? I'm mostly all for it. I'm mostly all for it. Mm. Uh, I'm so thrilled that Indecent got uh, filmed for broadcast. A, a because Same. more people will get to see, and B just because it, it'll be preserved in a you know, highly professional way, which is great. Um, well, and if there's one thing I've always said about PBS is that it needs more Jewish lesbians. Yeah, they've, they've really kind of dropped the ball there for the last few years on that. Not since, like, 1997 <laughs> have they had such a high you know, the, prominence of Jewish lesbians. That's why their funding's in the, sh- in the, in the shit pot. Shit pot? Is that, I don't know yeah, if that's a word. Yeah, their funding is in the shit, shit pot. But, and, I don't know. The shit pot. It, it's, um, I think, I would say that theater... Broadway primarily in the last like 10 years has gotten a lot better at adapting to pop culture and to sort of going with the flow mm-hmm. because there, mm-hmm. there have been like two times in Broadway's history where like it kind of really got out of step with culture. Um, one was in the late sixties when the Beatles came and kind of took over the sound of pop music and Broadway didn't really mm. adapt its sound to what people were listening to on the radio. So, mm. you know, like, wonderful shows that would have you know nice successful runs on broadway like company or a little night music or 1776 never became huge across the country like they weren't songs that everyone would just like know because they weren't on the radio and it wasn't Mm. really until chorus line that broadway became a cultural pinpoint again and then it kind of dropped in the 80s during the whole british mega musical because everybody just came to broadway to see phantom they came to see cast they wouldn't go and see like Mystery of Edwin Drew, they wouldn't go and see Into the Woods. Mm. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. I would say in like the last 15 years, Broadway's gotten a lot better about uh, promoting itself. And you know, I think the live musicals on NBC and Fox are sort of a double-edged sword where it's, I'm grateful that we're presenting musicals again to America, but I wish we were presenting it in a slightly more true way. I don't uh, Mm. I don't know, I don't know how to describe that better. But like PBS though I am all aboard for. I'm all aboard for broadcasting falsettos and indecent and, and she loves me and yes. even Holiday Inn, you know? Just let it all up there because Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about Holiday Inn. Holiday I saw that too. Well and yeah. let's not forget, you know, the Into the Woods was filmed through PBS uh in the late eighties and how many theater kids God. have like grown up with that VHS as their Bible. Right. Right, that's like a staple. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily... I mean, I don't disagree, but my, my viewpoint on the idea of, like, people seeing these movie musicals of movie musicals that already exist is that we have yet to have one of the live ones even to- come near topping what any of those movie musicals that already existed are like, there's such a level of awkwardness. Yeah. I feel like in all, in all the live presented musicals so far, and I'm not sure what it is. Like I, maybe it's because there's not an audience and now we're so used to having audiences or maybe it's because, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's honestly been like such a, and I get it. I get that it's live. I get that we're basically watching their, like, first preview, but it's their opening, they're closing their first preview. Like, I get it. But there's there's always this kind of, like, attitude about it where it's like, 
oh, you know, part of this is going to be a mess. And, like, maybe that's just our viewpoint. Maybe, like, little Sally, Jesse, like, Raphael, and, <laughs> like, some, some little, like, country bumpkin kid watching it in the Midwest thinks that it's the most magical thing ever and doesn't pick on the up on the awkwardness. But I, 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 I feel like there's this little kind of, like, I feel like it almost perpetuates the idea that what we do is a little silly. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought, I never got that attitude from it. The attitude I always kind of got was that we should be just happy that it's happening. And Mm. I was like, okay, but like, can't we at least put a bit more effort into making it a bit more seamless and like casting uh, more Broadway actors and really kind of showing people what musicals are. People, People who can really do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because well, I was talking to my, I was talking to my massage therapist this morning. Thanks, Canadian Healthcare, because they reimburse you when you get a massage up here oh, under Canadian Equity. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I was getting a massage, and we were talking, and I was saying, and so I'm definitely not knocking the live musicals or these musical versions because the thing is, when push comes to shove, our audiences are dying left and right, like. You know who comes to see shows that specifically aren't in New York? Blue-haired ladies. Mm-hmm. Blue-haired old ladies who have a good... Honestly, most of them have a good five to ten years left. And then we're like, well, what the fuck next? And so I, I think it's beautiful that we're, we're inspiring a new generation to love those things and to want to support theater. But I just... I, I, want, I want them to support... The right kind of theater. I want them to support. Oh my I want God. them to support. I want them to support the Natasha Pierre's without needing a, yeah. a star name in it. I mean, you can always. I mean, you can bring the people in, but you know, you can't force them to desire to see one show over the other. I would. I. Th- I would argue. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I'm very persuasive. You are. You are very persuasive. I shouldn't. I shouldn't just, doubt just, you. just keep me. Just keep me at the Lincoln Tunnel. I'll be like, what you seeing? No. No, you're going to Great Comet. But I mean... Don't like, see that. I don't know. I think that the fact that we have so many shows right now on Broadway that are actually doing quite well, uh, that mm. you know, see, it, now it seems so obvious, but when they came to Broadway, it didn't seem so obvious. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Come From Away to do as well as it did. And I know for a fact a lot of people didn't think that Dear Evan Hansen's off-Broadway success was going to translate as well to Broadway. And the fact that they mm. have sort of caught on, I think does come from a little bit of the fact that a lot of people who maybe weren't as interested in musicals 10 years ago, it's now more on their radar, thanks to Hamilton and the live TV movie musicals. And as I said, you know, it's there's a good side to that, and there's also the bad side. They sometimes will go to these shows expecting a, a Sound of Music with Carrie Underwood sort of situation, and it's like, well, no, like, that's its own thing, and it's that should not let you know what you're to what to expect on Broadway. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. Moving on. She's done. She's done. Uh, I want to do like a little quick uh, analysis of this coming Broadway season. Mm. I'm interested sort of in your opinion, John, about what is coming in the season, what you're most looking forward to, and what you think is sort of uh, the overall theme of this season? I think the theme of this season is white after Labor Day. That would be accurate. 
No, um, I mean, it probably will be with casting. Um, to be honest, uh, I am, I know it's like kind of a weird thing to be really excited, not, it's not a weird thing, but it's such a typical thing to be really excited about. I'm so excited about Once on This Island, <laughs> because I think, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that, that Alex is, uh, gonna be playing what's normally been played by, like, a, you know, a, a biological female, like, it's, it, it's so, I, I think there's some fun things, I just, I've never seen that show, and so I'm really excited to see it. Um, I'm of course excited for The Cursed Child. Like, I think that's gonna be really amazing. Um, honestly, I feel like my mind just went, I feel like every show I've been thinking about just, like, flew out of my mind. What, what, what shows are you excited for? Well, I, I'm also excited for Once on this Island. I love how you're like, it's such a weird thing to be excited for, and I'm sitting here going, I feel like everyone is excited for that one, so... That's... Well, no, I mean, like, like, I, like, I, like, actually get like butterflies when I think about seeing it. So maybe that's what I mean. What's weird? Like, I actually get like so joyful just because, like, I'm just like, oh my god, I feel like it's gonna be so good. Yeah. No, I... Like, I don't know. It can, maybe it could not be, but like, I think it's gonna be really good. I think it's gonna be pretty spectacular. I don't know. I'm, I, I, the pessimist in me is just sort of uh, like wary about so much because there's so much that I just want to be so good, you know. Like, I'm yeah. so excited for yeah. Mean Girls. I'm so excited for Carousel. Oh, yeah. But I'm also sitting here going, like, don't oh. you crush my heart. Like, I I want them to be good so badly that if they're if they're not, I I don't know how I'll take it. I'll I I will be quite sad. Um But here but here's the thing. I mean, like, our Julie and our our um Billy, I mean, those two actors separately are gold so together i mean like i i i didn't just i didn't just get like an erection like my heart my soul just got an erection yeah like literally like i'm so oh it's gonna be so good they're both so amazing and i think together honestly they don't even probably need a director let's just let's just give them a broadway stage and let them at it yeah you know let let them go at it i think my my concern is that Carousel is ac- is my all-time favorite musical. So, like, that already I have so much at stake. And then I do think the last time it was done was pretty spectacular and has sort of a legend about it already. So not not only because it's the show that introduced Audra to all of us. Audra but, McDonald, right. Yeah, it was, it was sort of the first time a revival made us all rethink how we thought about a show. Because, like, up until mm. then, either, like, either Broadway musical revivals were exact replicas of the original, like Sweet Charity or Dreamgirls or Oklahoma, or they were sort of, like, a loving mm-hmm. homage. And when they did Carousel in the 90s, it was sort of like, we're not changing anything. We're just treating it like it's a new work, and you'd be surprised how relevant it still is and how good it still is. Yeah. And that kind of sparked a whole new way to re- do revivals. And my concern is only that I don't want anything in this revival to be done new just for the sake of being new. Because everyone attached to it is so fucking talented and so right for the show that I just want want them to be true to what their instincts are. And I would love Mm. to see just what comes from that because I think, I feel like there's a good chance that this could be really spectacular. 
not the kind of fella to marry anybody. Now, even if a girl was foolish enough to want me to, I wouldn't. Don't worry about it, Billy. Who's worried? You're right about there being no wind. The blossoms are just coming down by themselves. Their time too, I reckon. I also wonder where Mean Girls is going to go. Mm. And Dream Girls, we can't forget Dream Girls is coming in. Yeah, I mean, I saw this production in the West End, so right, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, no, you, you, you made your thoughts on that production known to me. But despite that, it is yeah. still coming in, so, and it does need a theater, so. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I um, guess they need a theater. They could just do it on the sidewalk. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if they changed some of the cast up in it, it, it was. Yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know how I mean, much of the cast is going to be the same. I think maybe Amber Riley and maybe that'll be it. <sighs> Yeah, that's kind of my biggest issue. Was <laughs> her? Oh, sorry. I hate to talk so much shit about someone, but like honestly, like I walked out of that production and I was just like, every scene, she treated it with such low stakes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was like a sophomore musical theater scene study class, and she was like, she's barely getting a C plus. Like she's not. She is. She didn't do her homework. She has no emotional recall. She has no connection. She could, her fellow actors could lob up a line to her differently every night, and she would do her show exactly like it's. Amber. She sang the absolute bejesus out of it. Like it was, and it was a matinee, and I was like, "Holy hell!" But like, I've I've never been a huge fan of her acting, but I always kind of blamed Glee for that. Uh, right, me too. So, I don't know. I can't, I, I will not judge until I see her. I, I will say, Jennifer Holliday, for all of her acting handicaps, she was always able to tap into sort of an emotional well for right. that song. Right, Exactly. Because I know that she wasn't the most amazing actress either, but the thing is, is like, even if it, during the scenes she's not the most amazing, if during her songs she could at least tap into something, it, but it was the only song that was really quite amazing in the West End production was "I Am Changing," um, and I, I think it's honestly because it's it's a it's a performance within a performance. She's supposed to be like performing at a nightclub, so that's what she's acting like she's doing, and it's and she sells it, and it's amazing. Um, Did you see the last production, the one that like toured the states for a while? It's like seven years ago. No, this. No, I, I. You were telling me about it. This is definitely the. This is the first time I've seen Dreamgirls. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, Dream yeah, Dreamgirls no, is a weird show for me because I do love it, but it's a hard show to really make you feel during, if that makes sense, because the music is so mm. ferocious and the opportunity to be ferocious in it is so tempting that people kind of treat it like a concert and yeah it and like and granted you can i feel like you can still sing the bejesus out of that show and find an emotional truth to it 
but I think that over time the legacy of the show and and its music has gotten to the point where people just sort of they just wail hit their marks put on a flashy costume and call it a day yeah yeah i mean because that because the tour was very similar like the effie had a voice like none other but there was there was just nothing there and everything every line that everyone gave was like a big sassy remark and the choreography was always messy and they had all these projections that made no sense and i was like i feel like we need to go back to the idea of less is more and not more is more, you know, go to like, go to like the simplest form you can go and build from there. You should have a John, the John Doyle production of dream girl. Hey, say what you will about John Doyle, but he would, he would deliver an emotionally true dream girls. Yes, he would. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm only half joking. (laughs) I like just Effie sitting on a chair, Mm. the whole show. I'd be into it. Oh yeah. That'd be, he would find it there. And she would, and like Dean is like peeling an onion the entire time in the lower right corner. Mm. Pure Gint style. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Dina yeah. is an onion. She's got oh. layers. Yeah, she is. She is, she's our, she's a, she's the Shrek of Dream Girls. <laughs> she really is. And Laurel is the donkey. No. Oh, poor Laurel. The Laurel was, a, the Laurel on the West End Amazing. She better transfer. She better transfer real, real. You know, Lorella is actually a great role. You know, who, the the one who gets the short end of the stick is Michelle. She comes on and she basically does backup from the moment from she Dream enters Girls? the stage to the moment she exits. Oh, I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, like Destiny's Child, Michelle? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, kind of. I re- yeah. I remember. I remember the Michelle and Dream Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. Now. Yeah. So, drum roll, please. Um, I wanted to close today's episode with just like a little more smattering, because I'm not completely finished with this yet, but with a little more on our foot fetish audition, Masked Man. Ooh, do tell. So basically, as I left the information last time, I had divulged the fact that this man, Tony D'Alessandro, is actually the same man as Anthony Fusco, who was a man who had been doing it for years in New York and had, like, all these, quote-unquote, projects he was working on, and then Dan Savage wrote that expose on him. So, basically, um, I I was doing a, a bit more research but basically here's the thing I'm like I'm so torn about it because I part of me has realized like does it see does it feel like I'm fetish shaming someone which is something that I brought up in the first episode and I really don't mean to like I personally am not into feet I've gone to school with enough dancers I've had enough experience dancing where like I've seen many disgusting feet in my life But, um, this man has just gone through so many lengths to, I don't know if I want to say legitimize his fetish, 
because he also does it in a lot of ways that are kind of sneaky and untrue to people. And so it's, I'm very torn by this whole thing because I think on the one side, I've been following this man who has a fetish and who, as a lot of society, like, kind of seems to be, like, I think he maybe feels that people look down on him for it. And so he feels like he maybe has to do it in secret. But then at the same time, I'm not buying that he is not exploiting actors, which I have expressed so many times is one of my biggest issues with this and in life. And so, I don't know. I Next week might be the last chapter of it. I might reach out to some of these actors to see if this is a bit of me projecting the fact that this man's fetish, it can't be anything more than just the fact that he enjoys feet. Or is this man really exploiting actors? And what was an actor's experience working with this man who has gone through so many lengths, so many different identities, so many different quote-unquote casting calls just for his fetish? Yeah, I I think it's... I do think it's both. He, this is his fetish, and we're not fetish shaming. But as you said, like, it's unfortunate if he feels like the world has sort of shamed him on his, on what on what makes him happy. But at the same time, like you can't, it 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 gets gross once you feel like you have to bamboozle people into doing something for you. You know, right? It's just it's like and 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 the theater company or festival that he gets his stuff produced at, he also helps run. So it's like, is this all kind of a way for him to find an excuse to, like, legitimize his fetish? Like, what came first, the theater company or the need for having people, having having young actors come and audition for him in their mid-20s while he tickles their feet? It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't no, know. It's, it's all on the gross side, but. It is. Yeah. But I, 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 I didn't want to, like, I still have some things that I, that I want to, like, talk about with it next week and really go into it. But today I kind of wanted to offer a little more insight into how I'm feeling with it. Because I feel, I feel, it's, it's, it's just crazy Going through and clicking all his different profiles and seeing all the different fake names and way he feels like he needs to hide, it made me really sad. So that so that that's where I am. I'm 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 sorry. I feel like I like it's it's not as it's not as intense as as it was last episode with it. But it's the saga is just it's so weird. Yeah, it's a it's a it is such a strange saga that this has turned into and i feel like a little analysis is necessary to just to get a better idea of what this is yeah. and who this guy is because no one is no one is born being a, a, a con art honestly just a con artist in in a basic sense like something led to him right. beca- doing this and yeah yeah i, I really want to reach out to to these actors that i've found to see, to see if maybe this is all me projecting on him. Maybe these actors had amazing, wonderful experiences with him. Maybe. 
yeah, reach out, reach out to them and see who who responds. Yeah. And I'd love to know how that goes for our next episode. Totes my goats. All right, kids. Well, that is what I had to say about the foot fetishist today. As the foot fetish saga, as the foot, the foot fetishist strikes again. Yes, he strikes again, and he keeps striking. It's it's so interesting how how even recent this this show was. I mean, it was within the last month. Um, but yeah. All right. So that's, I think to maybe let's maybe end this one on a, on a le- more positive note. Uh, yeah. Let's let's think of a diva to close us out today. That'll sort of lift everybody's spirits as they finish up this episode. Who should we have end this week's episode? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of one who does like really fun, funny things. Um, maybe like Carol Burnett. We could do Carol Burnett, sure. Or how about yeah. in honor of her passing this month, we could do Barbara Cook. <gasps> oh yeah. Some glitter and be gay. Yeah. What? 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 What what an up what an upbeat way to end this episode. It's like, yeah, let's play us out. Dead Barbara Dead Cook. Barbara Cook. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's oh, Barbara at her most. No, we should pay homage. So. Yes, the way I, I love her. glitter and be gay too. Okay. So yeah. Alright, everybody. Right, thank you for listening, Once everybody. Again. We uh we'll talk to you again in the next step. Have a good week. Yes. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Peace out, Bobs. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.